Right now, we are talking about COVID-19 and the pandemic. We have come a long way in the United States as we have had to navigate through this uh, this virus that has uh, created so much catastrophe across our country. And right now, um, we're going to talk more about COVID-19, where we are with the pandemic, how far we've come, and what lies ahead. I was able to speak uh, with medical doctor Rambod Rubash from Hattiesburg Clinic and Forest General Hospital in the state of Mississippi. And he has been on the forefront uh, through this entire pandemic. He's also been on the research side of things. And so just to give a little more information about him, Dr. Rambod Rubash is a faculty physician and program director at the Forest General Hospital Family Medicine Residency Program, and that's in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And he's also the principal investigator um, for Medicine, which is a clinical research there at Hattiesburg Clinic. And so he has a wealth of knowledge into COVID-19 and uh, what the numbers are, where the country is, and again, where we are right now, how far we've come, and what lies ahead. So let's go ahead and take a look back at this discussion with Dr. Rambod Rubash. 2022 now in May, um, some people saying, you know, COVID doesn't exist, pandemic's over, but that's really not the case. No, unfortunately not. You know, one of the things we've learned since we first started is how quickly this thing is mutating. You know, we thought it wouldn't mutate super quickly because traditionally coronaviruses don't. But I think what we've discovered is it's been so infectious and has gone around the world so many times. It's just had a lot of people to infect and as a result, a lot of opportunity to become more fit. So that's what we call these variants of concerns are mutations that have become more fit and are more likely to be the predominant strain. So it has mutated a bunch of times and it's kind of gotten um, an opportunity to become better, stronger, more infectious. And at the same time, um, we've been trying to battle it. And fortunately, we got some tools and we got vaccines on board, which helped a great deal, decrease the number of people that are able to get it and spread it. So we're settling in just a little bit, it seems, uh, to a place where it's not killing as many people as it did earlier. We have some tools available. Hopefully we get on the other end of this. We're still not out of it yet, but we're, we're getting closer. So how would you describe, are, are we still in the midst of the pandemic or how would you describe where we are right now? Yeah, I think we're locally in a little bit of a lull. And what we have to remember is because this thing is spread so readily, because it went from Wuhan, China to Italy to the US in almost no time, it's going to go around the world again. And wherever there are people that don't have natural immunity, nor infect, or excuse me, nor vaccines, it will have yet another opportunity to become more fit and become a variant of concern. So one of the surprising areas where it can now get a foothold is in the Far East. The places where like in China and Japan that initially locked down very tightly had very few cases, but unfortunately those places also didn't vaccinate very well. And we didn't know that till after the fact, um, apparently, especially the senior citizens in China were pretty slow to take the vaccines available there. So that is a at-risk population. And whenever you have at-risk populations that can get this again, it could again mutate and potentially get around our current defenses, including our vaccines. Hopefully that won't happen. We're in a little bit of a lull here in the US, and that gives us an opportunity, the opportunity to vaccinate those that have not been vaccinated, to boost those that require it and are eligible for it. And in the meantime, give us an opportunity to kind of let our guard down just a little bit, take those masks off, 
get back together and still have an opportunity, hopefully to be ready if it pops up again. So is COVID ever going away? Well, in the sense that we will get infections from this on a regular basis, no, um, it will never go away. So this will be one of the many coronaviruses that are implicated probably like our common cold. So about 25% of our common colds are from the various coronavirus family of viruses. This will eventually settle down and become one of those. But prior to that, it will infect people without previous immunity. And for those people, it can potentially be a big illness. But the other part of this pandemic is about half of the people that get this have almost no symptoms whatsoever. And that's actually been part of the uh, big drive that's made this a pandemic is because so many people don't have any symptoms or very mild symptoms. It has spread more readily than its previous predecessors, the SARS-CoV-1 and the Middle East Respiratory Syndrome or MERS that were the first two what we call zoonotic coronavirus illnesses of the 21st century. Zoonotic meaning it jumped from animal to human. Gotcha. So what what new information can you provide for us? Um, I know, of course, we've talked about it, like I said, from day one. And I just remember it seemed like every time we talked, which was pretty much weekly, there was always new information because scientists, researchers, medical doctors, um, everyone kind of finding out new stuff as we went along. Is there any new information that you're still learning? Oh, absolutely. So one of the things that is being studied now in a major kind of uh, large scale study uh, from the NIH is what happens to people that get long COVID or what are the people that get long COVID characteristically um, containing in terms of background risk. So we're starting to study that aspect. And that's not a huge percentage of the population that gets COVID, but because almost everybody has had COVID or has been vaccinated against it, it's potential for um, uh, being a major issue in our society is large because so many people are susceptible to it. So that's one new piece of information that's being studied right now. The vaccines are constantly kind of looking at the efficacy and how long they last. So we now know that people above the age of 50 should get their fourth shot if they had the mRNA vaccines, which would be a second booster for most. So that's evolving information. Of course, children um, under the age of five are going to get their first round of vaccines when Moderna put in for their EUA. So that's an evolving area. We have new treatments that are being studied, a big um, kind of seismic shift was when the Pfizer drug Paxlovid was um, approved, which is similar to a Tamiflu-type medication that you take within five days of getting the illness. And that's been surprisingly and um, heartwarmingly effective in keeping people out of the hospital at a very, very um, impressive rate. So those are the things that are coming up that um, we're excited about and we're learning a new one old piece of information that is, again, um, uh, I think important to to point out and for people to be aware of is that masks work. So if you are in an indoor setting that is high risk, meaning a poorly ventilated building, and who knows what the ventilation is in any particular building. So essentially, if you're inside around a group of people in uh, close proximity or even not in close proximity, if the ventilation is poor, then you should consider wearing a mask. Certainly, if you're traveling, you should consider wearing a mask, even though it's not required. Um, If you're high risk and you want to avoid getting this illness whatsoever, that's a good uh, piece of um, information for you to keep in your back pocket along with your mask because I think those will be a part of our lives. And to be honest, 
when we get into respiratory season for cold and flu viruses, probably won't be a bad idea for us to wear those masks as we get into public transit. I mean, what do we have to lose? Yeah, exactly. And so as you talk about the numbers here and people still getting ill from COVID-19, just curious, which I know you do a lot of research, you speak with colleagues um, across the country. What are you seeing hospital wise, kind of like we used to, it was, you know, consistently full, um, having to turn people away. Where are we at with um, the hospitalizations now? We're doing pretty well um, locally and nationally. We're not overrun. Uh, it's all a relative game. You know, the hospitals uh, are never really um, kind of free of patients. We have other things going on. But the good news is that we have capacity for those other things, for the car accidents and the heart attacks, which early on when we were getting overrun, especially during the Delta and Omicron waves, we did not have that capacity. So we're doing pretty well in the U.S. in that regard. And to my knowledge, most places in the world were doing relatively much better in terms of having capacity and having healthcare workers available to treat the other things that we um, are going to also have issues with. Okay, so I'm curious for those people who have still not yet received a COVID-19 vaccination, what is your advice to them? I think there's ample evidence, one, that it works, and two, that it's safe. You, we have hundreds of millions of Americans alone that have had the vaccine billions of people around the world. So the concerns about long-term side effects, I think at this point being um, over a year in are very unlikely to occur. We have ample data preceding the approval of these medications in kind of an unprecedented amount of data. So it was good to start. And now in um, the phase that we call phase four study, meaning what happens when it actually gets out into the larger population, they have proven to be safe and fortunately still very effective. Okay, so we have, you have showed us a behind the scenes look and I know across our nation, all of our local great television stations have been really close um, with their health officials there in their local communities as well as the state, kind of taking a glimpse into what it's been like behind the scenes for healthcare officials. What is it like now? Because used to, it was absolutely crazy. I mean, y'all were running around 24 hours um, around the clock, working, uh, learning new information, trying to treat patients, trying to get it under control. What is it like now? much more normal. So the one aspect that is a bit different is we have this infectious disease that we're actively monitoring. And it's been a long time since healthcare workers have been actively, at least in the United States, monitoring an active infectious disease. So infectious disease is back on our radar more so than it's ever been during at least my medical career. So that's one new aspect. But the good uh, news is we're pretty much back to normal in regards to day-to-day -day operation, including the fact that we can get together for the most part with our patients normally without extensive screening measures. So people are basically able to come in and get the care that they're accustomed to. The other piece that is new that is here to stay, and we as um, physicians, I think, and patients like as well, is we now know how to use telemedicine. So that is a new tool in our toolbox, and hopefully that will be a part of medical care going forward. So all told, things are kind of getting back to normal with two additional things, which isn't necessarily bad, meaning our awareness of infectious disease, one, and two, this new tool of telemedicine. I mean, did you ever think you would be saying that? <laughs> no. No, you know, the other cool thing um, I think is um, a result of this pandemic is everybody has gotten more educated on the concepts of epidemiology, infectious yeah. disease, immunology. So I think we can have smarter conversations now. We can get to 2.0 type conversations. So that's really cool as well.
Yeah, I think you're right. Because I remember before we kind of started this conversation when the pandemic first hit, I remember looking, I was thinking, how do you even say that word? And I feel like so many of our viewers, you know, were kind of on the same wavelength with me. And it really has. I mean, it has educated all of us as to what goes behind the scenes, what goes into working and who these people are. Um, and, you know, we've had an epidemiologist in each and every single state. And I think uh, so many of our viewers have really gotten to know their state epidemiologists uh, really by name because of COVID. So, yeah, that is a, a pretty cool factor that's come out of COVID. All right. Well, I know you have been doing research. I know you have some other uh, details that you want to share with me. What you got, Dr. Rubash? So um, we're doing all kinds of research locally. And the, the good news is this mRNA vaccine technology is now being used for other viral illnesses. And that could potentially be a game changer for all of our vaccines going forward. We have, uh, for instance, at our local research facility, we're studying a vaccine for the CMV virus or the cytomegalovirus, which is one of the leading causes of congenital deafness. So this is a vaccine that it's actually designed for uh, women that are going to be pregnant. And that's cool. And it's potentially a game changer. The ability to manufacture these vaccines very, very quickly and to design them specifically for um, these viruses or in um, certain instances, bacterial infections is a game changer. So it's really neat to be able to do things like that. And people are more interested. Um, whereas before, I think the idea of being a part of a research study was like, ah, that's not for me. Who does that kind of thing? Um, now people are into it. They're interested. They realize what sort of um, contribution they can make to the world of science. So that's uh, also a nice side effect of all of this. Um, despite the fact that we've gone through a heck of a lot. It's been a long two years. It's been deadly for some of our uh, friends and neighbors and, and family members, and that's a terrible toll. Um, but just looking at it as glass half full, there have been some um, things that have improved as a result of having gone through this and hopefully coming out the other side. And uh, before we let you go today, I just want for our viewers who aren't familiar with your background that uh, maybe aren't from the Hattiesburg Pine Belt area there in Mississippi, kind of explain, Dr. Rubash, um, what you serve there at Hattiesburg Clinic and Forest General and with the research as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a program director for our family medicine residency at Forest General Hospital, and I'm the principal investigator for clinical research at the Hattiesburg Clinic here in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Originally, I'm from Portland, Oregon. That's where uh, my original training occurred. I went to medical school at the Oregon Health and Sciences University. I did my family medicine residency at the University of Washington um, affiliated program at uh, Family Medicine in Southwest Washington in Vancouver, Washington. I then went to the East Coast where I got an MBA from George Washington University and then my preventive and occupational environmental medicine training at the University of Pennsylvania. But I've been in South Mississippi for nearly 13 years and have um, been honored to serve here both in the family medicine residency and at the Hattiesburg Clinic for clinical research. Yeah, and um, of course, you, along with your colleagues, have had just such a heavy hand in what has happened in the Pine Belt area, and so always continuing to fight for the fight for the patients, fight for the residents, and you know, we have seen this throughout the time since the pandemic occurred, so I just wanted our viewers to know a little bit more about you and just kind of the role that you've played in South Mississippi, because, you know, and really on the state level as well, because y'all have been extremely close with epidemiologists as, uh, as well, just working through, kind of navigating through this pandemic. So anything else, Dr. Rubash, you kind of want to share? Well, I will say um, it is an opportunity for us to thank the thankless job of our state health officers and our state epidemiologists. They have been instrumental, not only in COVID, but 
usually behind the scenes for the little outbreaks that occur, the hepatitis A outbreak or the new hepatitis uh, series that's going on in children in, in the country, or when a new infectious disease comes out due to water contamination or lead poisoning. So uh, it's good that we now know who our state health officers are. Dr. Thomas Stobbs here in the state of Mississippi, Dr. Paul Byers, our state epidemiologist. These people have always been working behind the scenes and it's great to have a, an active relationship with them. And it's been, again, one of the nice side effects of all of this is that those people are getting the recognition that they deserve and they have a better working relationship with our clinical doctors kind of um, seeing patients out in the forefront. And so as we move forward, what do you see the next step being? So I think we have a little bit of a lull before likely another surge of cases. And the only reason I say that is traditionally we have been about four to five weeks behind the United Kingdom in terms of what's been going on there. And they have a, a little bit of rise in cases and they actually have better vaccination rates than we do. Um, we have kind of followed suit. So I anticipate us getting a bump in cases as we've seen on the coast, um, the East Coast and the West Coast. And that then that typically trickles into middle America. Hopefully that will be a short run and it won't um, result in big spikes. Hopefully th this will buy us some time currently right now while the case uh, numbers are low for us to get the things we need, whether it's vaccination or in-home tests or masks or to take care of all the other medical issues like colonoscopies and mammograms that maybe we have put off. And hopefully um, we get more vaccinations, we get more people immune, and maybe this will be the last little bump of it. Fingers crossed. Do you see more variants making their way into America? Yeah, uh, most likely. Um, there are variants of concern out there um, around the world that, that we're watching. We don't have a good idea of what is going to happen when these variants become the predominant strain, like the BA.2 that is a predominant strain right now. Uh, Thankfully, it's not causing as many um, severe cases as certainly the Delta did, uh, but it is more infectious. It is more able to infect people, even people that have previously had um, COVID or people that have been vaccinated. Fortunately, the diseases have not been as severe. We think potentially one of the theories out there is that as these viruses mutate and become more fit, the ones that are going to wind up becoming the ones that last are the ones that infect our upper airways and cause the common cold, as opposed to the ones that infect our lower airways and cause pneumonia, which is what the original COVID strains did. Those tend to not be as fit because they make their hosts, us humans, more sick, more of us die. And it, that's not a good thing necessarily for these viruses. They want to just live as long as they can. And the best way they can do that is to get us mildly ill enough to replicate inside of us, but not kill us. So we spread it to others. And hopefully the variants um, that become the variants of um, predominance will be the upper airway ones and will wind up being like our common colds. Okay. And so I know your message for all of our viewers across the nation. Hey, don't, don't forget that mask. Don't throw it away just yet. Um, any other advice that you want to share with our viewers? Do the things you know to do to keep yourself healthy. And if I could prioritize those things, I'd say number one is sleep. Number two is make sure you're adequately hydrated. Number three is exercise. And number four, it's not last and it's certainly not least, but it's the hardest one to do. I would say, make sure you're eating a good, healthy diet. All right. Any, anything else, Dr. Rubash, before we let you go? Yeah. Um, knock on wood, we're, we're getting there. And I'm really happy and excited that we're at this point. And kudos to everybody that's put in 
so much hard work, including everyone that's sacrificed, sacrificed by staying home when they're ill, sacrificed by wearing their masks, sacrificed by changing their workflows. So thank you, everyone. Um, I'm hopeful we're getting around the corner. All right, for more information, uh, for those who are in the Hattiesburg, Mississippi area and want to contact Hattiesburg Clinic or Forest General, any information you want to give us? Our websites, you know, um, it's a 21st century. No need to take down phone numbers. Look us up on the internet and you'll find the Hattiesburg Clinic, Forest General Hospital, Forest General Hospital Family Medicine Residency. We'd be happy to hear from you all. And that was Dr. Rambad Rubash, again, from Forest General and Hattiesburg Clinic. And he is a medical doctor in the Mississippi area. And so I just want to focus a little more about his background. He's a faculty physician and program director at the Forest General Hospital Family Medicine Residency Program and also the principal investigator for medicine clinical research within Hattiesburg Clinic. Uh, so just a wealth of knowledge, uh, specifically on this topic, COVID-19, the pandemic as we continue to move forward. And as you heard, uh, Dr. Rubash says uh, COVID-19, well, we are not out of the woods just yet. So, of course, uh, if you were in that local area within the state of Mississippi and want to know more and want to contact Hattiesburg Clinic, you can also go to HattiesburgClinic.com. But if you are somewhere else across our country and you want to get some more information about numbers with the pandemic and or maybe you want to schedule an appointment, all you have to do is um, head on over to your local great television station. Click on that COVID-19 tab or it may say coronavirus. And once you click there, our local great television station, the one that you watch each and every single day, will connect you with health experts in your local area.